it with our mouths. We know it with our hearts. You are great. We can't even begin to comprehend how great you are. And we give you the glory. We give you weight. We bow before you. We are amazed that you love us. And Lord, I pray that as we turn to your word, you would drive it into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're continuing this morning in Joshua. And if you have a Bible and like to turn along, we're right at the beginning. We'll be doing Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4 this morning. And that's quite a bit of text, which makes it even better to follow along if you have your Bible, if you'd like to. You can even uh, use your phone, I suppose, those things now. It's just technology has gone before me. But I'll tell you one thing that's really amazing. This week, it's tomorrow, I think, there's an eclipse of the sun. It's only been a few in my lifetime that's so amazing where the I guess the moon blots out the sun, right? And you're not supposed to stare at it. you got to get special glasses and watch out. There's fake ones, I've heard. I just think about it for a moment with me as we start Joshua this morning. I, I really have nothing to do with that event. It's an amazing event. The thing I can do is I can look at it. I can tell other people to look at it too. Because if it's something that's going to happen, you might miss otherwise. I mean, people are coming around the country, I know, to look at particular points of it. But, but it's just going to happen, and it's amazing. And God made that. He did. It's one of the questions I get a lot as a pastor. People will come, and they will say, I, I want to do more for the Lord. Or they'll say it sometimes this way. I, 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 want, I want to give more glory to the Lord. Are we giving God enough glory? Are we, are, we, are we doing that? And I want to answer those questions for you. I want to answer them from you, from Joshua this morning. Uh, after we consider this amazing thing that happens, which you know if you've been to Sunday school, which is the crossing of the Jordan. That's what we're looking at today. But we've begun this whole story of Joshua. It's the sixth book of the Bible. That's where we are. We're, we're walking through it, and we'll walk through the whole thing. Chapter 1, we saw Moses died. Moses Representing the law could not get the people into the promised land. It took Joshua, who we have a link to Yeshua, our Jesus, taking the people into the land of promise, the land of rest. That gets set up right at the beginning in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, we looked at last week as almost a side story where the spies, they're on this mission to, to suss out intelligence on Jericho, this massive walled city. But really, they're not on a mission that God even needs. He doesn't need that intelligence. He knows, and we're going to get to look at next week. They're not going to tear down any walls. God's going to do it all. But while they're on that mission, they're doing something that's very important. Rahab the prostitute, in the line of Christ, saved. God's plan is at work, and he's using them even though they don't even know it. Amazing. And then we pick up today in Joshua chapter 3, and they're finally, almost you could skip that story. Here they are, they're going to enter. The, the children of Israel come out of Egypt from slavery, having wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, God leading them with a pillar of fire and a, 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 a pillar of cloud. And now they're on the plains of Moab, which is just on the other side of this river that they're going to go into. How are they going to do it? 
we, I invite you to put yourself mostly in the shoes today of the observer, because that's what we are in the text. But if you're anywhere else, you're with the people, the masses, in this amazing thing that God does. And what I, I hope you see is that is that we catch a glimpse of the glory of the Lord, not that we do glorious things for the Lord. And we trust Him. And we remember. So this is called Remember, and we're going to look at the text. The first thing I'd like to see and have you see is following, and the importance of following and not leading and what that looks like. So look in our text this morning. We'll pick it up with Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Here it is. The curtain comes up. Then Joshua, the text says, rose early in the morning and they set out for Shittim. They, they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. So they, they, this mass of people, and here they are, and the river is in front of them. By the way, I, we'll set this up right now so you hear it, because you'll see it in the text later. The Jordan, and you say, well, what's a little river? I mean, come on. And a lot of times, if you've been over there, you know the rivers normally, it looks pretty. I was going to put a picture up. It doesn't look that bad. It's 100 feet across. Usually it's pretty tranquil. Except, you see, in harvest season, when it overflows its banks, and it can be a mile wide, and, and because it's harvest season and it's overflowed its banks, then you've got trees and different things sticking up, and it's quite treacherous. This is that season. There's a raging river in front of them. There's a barrier, and they're looking at it. Here it is. Okay. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Okay, what they're going to do is they're going to follow this ark and when it says the Levitical priests are carrying it yeah they didn't touch it they carried it on poles and there'd be a team of them that would be on poles and the ark would be behind them or in front of them and so they're on either end and either corner and they're carrying it on their shoulders the ark you remember the ark it was actually had a the ten commandments in it and it had special things in it and it was it was significant to the presence of the lord very special Yet there shall be, verse 4, a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. <laughs> That's interesting. He said, don't get too close, right? 2,000 cubits, and we think the cubit is uh, the distance between your elbow and your pinky. It's your length of your forearm. So that's about a foot and a half, maybe a little bit less or a little bit more. We're not exactly certain. But it means it's about two-thirds of a mile. So you need to stay two-thirds of a mile away. That's not like, don't touch it. That's like, it's way out there. Like, okay, I see it. To make sure you don't wander off, to make sure it's in front, to make sure you're following from a distance, but not veering away. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. Get ready. For tomorrow, Yahweh will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, he said, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And, and if you're a student of the Bible at all, you see what's happening, right? You know what's about to happen. They're about to cross the Jordan. But the build is this, is that the officers speak to the people. Joshua speaks to the officers and the priests. And finally, the climax, and it's not really in the order that you would think it would be. Yahweh, God, is speaking to Joshua. This is the main thing. When the Lord speaks, what's the passage going to be about? Making sure everybody knows Joshua is it. Right? Follow Joshua. It's really interesting as you start to think about what it is and you start to think they have to cross this big wide river. And, and if it were up to me or up to you and you say, okay, logistically, where's our engineers? What would you do? Rafts. Start building them now. It's a very sure way to do it. You could get rafts, you could put them together, you start ferrying back and forth, you get some strong men and they will work and they will get back and forth and they will take these people over a batch at a time and Italy, they'll get there. Bridges. You heard of a bridge? I have even temporary ones. You know, sometimes you've got to move a million people. How about a little temporary bridge? We can go find some good things. We can build it over. We can engineer it out. We can make it so that we can get to the other side. You see, there are logical ways that I would immediately be thinking if you're in this group of people. The Lord's going to do wonders. I know He will, but I'm not expecting He's not going to make me prepare. big obstacle it's going kind of fast and it's interesting and, and and so we think what life is about as it gets put on us is hey wait a minute the people as god's going to bring them into the land the emphasis is i want you to not lead and get out there i want you to follow I think it's significant to do that and then to back up and to make sure what you're trusting in is that God is at work. You're not the determining factor of anything, just like that eclipse that's coming. Always God is. Of course, the most surprising thing is that oftentimes what he does doesn't seem to make sense. And, and, and so we see some of that, that, that actually then along with following, there's this thing called waiting, and I don't like it, but it's there. Let's look at the text. As for you, this is God speaking still to Joshua in this middle of this very key thing that God speaks. Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan you shall stand still in the Jordan. Okay, Joshua, you tell the priests, they have the ark on their shoulders, they're carrying it on poles, they're you know, two-thirds of the mile in front of everybody else, they're to go, and you tell them to go stand in the water. That's what I want you to do. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here, listen to the words of Yahweh. Your God, that's what 
Joshua always does. He takes exactly what God says and he tells it to the people. So he's doing that. And Joshua said, here's how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Dermites and the flashlights. I know it's a lot of ites. Those are all these nations. Nations that the Lord is kicking out and We'll get to some more reasons why there are these the terrible things that had happened, even with with demonic forces among them. There, there are things, but but that's not the point of today. Behold, you will know what the living God is among you. You will know what that you will drive out. Know that He will, He will without fail act. Behold, the ark of the covenant of all the earth, the Lord of all the earth, sorry, the covenant of all the earth. It's the Lord of all the earth. That's our God. He's passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, verse 12, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand up in a heap. Okay, this is what's going to happen, he says. And and I, I hope you didn't miss as you go through. He says, okay, so pick one man from among you, from each tribe. And then he just goes on. Who are those men? What are they going to do? Are they digging ditches? So file it away. He doesn't tell you. It says, hey, take one man from each tribe, 12 men, and then the priests, you see, they're going to go and they're going to put their feet in the water. And when they do, the water's going to stop. I, I don't think at this point the people wouldn't forget that they had been, they'd been passed through the Red Sea from Egypt 40 years ago. They know that God does this sort of stuff. But but I still think that if you're a Levitical priest especially, holding that ark, you're kind of thinking, wait a minute, I mean, this is not how it worked back in Egypt. We didn't risk this special, special thing. The river's kind of raging, Joshua. Wouldn't it be wiser if God just split it open? I mean, we don't want to let go. You're, you're asking me to hold on to this. Maybe I'll let it go and it'll drift off. Is this really the wisest thing? And, and really, is this really going to happen? I'm supposed to carry the ark over there and put my foot in the water, and, 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 and can I just stand on the bank and it'll open? Why do I? Yeah, the reality is there's not much sense to any of it. Oh, yeah, I get it. It's totally logical. I should take the ark over and I should put my foot in the water and then the water will part. Why that? Well, because religiously, the foot is a very important. No! It's totally just what God said to Joshua. Joshua saying it to them. This is the plan. Okay. So it says in Verse 14, when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan 
overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. There's your piece of this is wide. This is rushing. And they did it. They walked there. They they followed Joshua. Here they go. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is before Zarathon, and those following down towards the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. This is amazing. And the people passed over opposite Jericho, and now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. It happened. The great miracle, this echoes, doesn't it? Baptism through the Red Sea, this baptism through the Jordan, this walking over on dry ground, the power of God into the promised land, and the people come. And, and so think of it with me for a minute, though. Here's the first thing to really think about. The priests came and they dipped their feet in that water. There they go. And God stopped the water. You realize he did it at a place that's 17 miles away. That's the geography. So as soon as they put their feet in that water, as soon as they actually were responding to, and here they were with the Lord, and they did that, and they followed Joshua's instructions, and they did it, and they they put their feet in, and then they're standing there. And 17 miles away, which you cannot see, the waters stop. Okay, if you're an engineer, you can time this out for me. How long would it take? with you standing 17 miles downstream, before you notice, hey, the water's dropping. It's not right away. It's not even 10 minutes. It's more like half an hour. When you start to say, wait a minute, the water stopped up there, but the water still that's there, that's in front of there, has to keep flowing. There's 17 miles of water to flow towards you, and you're sitting there standing in the water. What's going through their minds? That Joshua. I wonder if he heard wrong. I wonder if God really does stuff like this. I wonder if God's doing anything. I wonder what the Lord's doing. Maybe this is all baloney. What do you think? Should we get out? Right? doesn't record any of that. I don't know that they said any of that. I'm just saying what I would say. When I've heard from somebody to do something a little bit on the silly side and very risky, and and they say, go do this because God's going to move, and then I go, okay, here I am, God's going to move, and I get in and I do the thing they said exactly, and I'm doing it, fine, and then nothing happens. You know what goes through my head? Not sure that's from the Lord. Not sure just waiting around is a thing to do. Not sure. But the reality is from the text, and we know the answer. We're the reader. We're observing. We know the answer. And so you're, you, you skip over it because you know that exactly when they put their feet in that water, 17 miles away, the Lord acted. We know. And he didn't just act like, oh, it happened like that. But then all the people then do get to see. Eventually they do get to see because it's reality. You see, the Lord did it. And, 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 and the waters went away. And, and after that many lengthy time of standing there, now they get more waiting, those priests do. Because they will stand in the Jordan River while all the people of Israel cross. Again, million plus, right? 
How long does it take for a million people to walk across the river? Long time. Now they get to sit there and just marvel at the wonder. I'm standing in the middle of the Jordan River, and it's dry. I'm still standing here. More people are going over. And you just think of the wonder as they watch this miracle hour upon hour because it would take many hours for that many people simply to walk across the river. And that's what God did. Again, I, I think if you don't see both the ideas of trusting and waiting connected here, waiting, not seeing, then you're not looking very hard. Because that's what's going on. It's a counter to our idea of getting it done quickly. It's, it's we think we do great things for God, but here's a great thing. And God initiates it, God through Joshua. And the ones who are really actively involved in the miracle are, are believing it because they have to step in and they're just waiting. Is it true? But all these things are threaded through with the main thing. And that's this. Remembering. The importance of it. Chapter 4 starts this way. It says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, Yahweh said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Oh, now I see. That in chapter 3, when he says, take the 12 men, they're for this. They're not digging ditches. They're supposed to pick up some rocks. 12 stones, it says. You should see this is as important to the Lord as the miracle is. It's woven through this instruction, brief instruction on what Joshua is to tell the priests. But there's a lot of instruction on what Joshua is to do with these 12 men, these 12 representatives that will go and represent all that nation. So Joshua called these 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of Yahweh your God in the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you, not a little rock, not a pebble, a stone on your shoulder, right? According to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them. The waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. See, there are certain things that happen that you base your life on. They don't happen every day. They are miraculous things. They happen, and, and, and this is how the Lord works. This is how he thinks. It's like, okay, I want you to take the people, and we're going to do this mighty act. And I'm, I'm bringing them in, and I'm parting the Jordan, and they're coming into the land. And I want you to take a big rock, and you get it on the shoulder, and, and, and you, you carry it over, and you make a mound of these 12 rocks, and there it is, so that you can remember forever. 
God works miracles for you. He's done it. But, 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 but he didn't do it for me yesterday. But he hasn't done it for me tomorrow. No, it's not a on demand. It's a foundational issue of your life. What do you know that God's done for you? This is the sign they're to base their life on. Remember, when they were in the land, the fact that they remember it, it's special. God did this thing, and if you believe that He did, then it impacts you in a very base, deep level. It, it influences your posture towards God, what you think of Him, and how He works. So it's neat there that the people of Israel, in verse 8, did just as Joshua commanded, and they took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as Yahweh told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and they laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests of the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and there they are to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan till everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. Don't forget our focus. Remember, right? But one of the main things they're remembering is that Yahweh is with Joshua. That That's even the focus here. They believe Joshua, Moses to Joshua, but the Lord now to Joshua. And the focus shifts to these 12 men. And, and now we know what they're doing. They're picking up these rocks and they manhandle them to the shore. They stack them up where they're going to lodge. And right where those priests stood for hours, these rocks, hour upon hour, the presence of the Lord providing the pathway into the land of promise. And they did not do it themselves. They did not build one bridge. They did not put together one raft. They followed at a distance. And the Lord did it all. There's lots more to do in the promised land. There will be many battles. They will have much activity. This is not passivity. This is a understanding that it is God alone. Of course, the people passed over in haste, the text says. Verse 11, And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. That 40,000 number of these two and a half tribes that have agreed, though they're going to have lands outside the promised land, they're going with the people into the land to be with the Lord as he fights for them. On that day, verse 14, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. See, the exaltation is not of the priests who held the ark, not of the people who passed over, but of Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, command the priest bearing the ark, of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all the banks, just like before. <laughs> yeah, God's in charge all the way. 
Say, well, I got you over now, and, and uh, but we'll, we'll deal with whatever mess we made. Just like it never happened. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he told the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? And you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground for the Yahweh your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as Yahweh your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of Yahweh is mighty, that you may fear Yahweh your God forever. The scene comes down. This is the end of the chapter. This is the event of the crossing of the Jordan River, and it ends with the people in awe of Joshua and information coming from God through Joshua, and then the people hearing your testimony is the testimony of the power of God. All the earth. How are they going to know? You're going to tell them. When your kids ask you, you're going to tell them. God brought you through. He did that. All the peoples of the earth, by the way, that's you and me, might know that Yahweh's hand is mighty. Not, not their hand, not your hand. The hand of God. And you might fear Him forever. Okay, I, I think we, we can say a few things for sure about this, just real briefly before we end. It's an amazing story. It really happened. One is, is this is why I'm calling it, remember, because the greatest enemy of them trusting is forgetfulness. I really don't want you to forget is really one of the main themes of the chapter. I, I don't want you to forget that this actually happened. I don't want you to forget to testify to other people. I don't want you to forget for your own eyes when you see this pile of stones. You don't forget because you know what? That's going to be the temptation is that you'll forget. Because something didn't happen yesterday and something won't happen tomorrow of this order of magnitude, you will somehow think that, that it doesn't matter. I didn't walk through the Jordan. I think it's okay to take one more step because I know somebody who went into the Jordan. I'm really closely connected. A thousand years later, right, he came to the banks of the Jordan River. He got into the water. He don't need to do that, John the Baptist said. He said to Jesus, in the same river, Jesus Christ was baptized, wasn't he? And he went down into the water and he came up. And it says there in, in the Gospels, it says that the heavens opened and the Spirit came down like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and God spoke. This God who split the Jordan, this God when his son got in the Jordan, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says this, remember, listen to him. Listen to this Joshua. And when it comes down to the single most important foundation of your life and my life, 
Oh man, I want to have the achievement of getting myself into the land. I want to have that feeling of I'm getting there, I'm doing it, I built the bridge. And we don't have any. We got nothing. Except to trust Joshua. Trust Jesus. God does it. He does it in Christ. The miracle of my life and yours is this connection to this Joshua, this Yeshua, this Jesus, this Savior. So I think I think it's important for you and I to acknowledge and get into our hearts that we do not do great things for God. He does them for us. You and I do not give Him more glory by the great things we do. He does glorious things. Am I doing enough for God? Am I maximizing His glory? I will swim the Jordan River by His power. You fool. This is not what it is. The reality of you and I is that we wait and we trust in the event of our life. It happened thousands of years ago. Jesus Christ died on a cross. We never forget. His blood covers us. We're saved by Him alone. We tell other people. Excited about it. We respond to it. We're not, we're not passive, but that is pervasive. It flavors everything we do. It flavors how we think and what we see. This, this idea, this, this trusting that we do as we raise our kids, as we, as we live life, as we work, we, we, we understand this posture of Jesus Christ is, is all and He goes before us. This is not nothing. This is following. This is trusting. This is testifying. And above all, this is remembering what the truth is. Maybe you've heard that old saying, God has no hands on earth but yours. I have something to say to you. God doesn't need hands. We serve a great God of glory. He's done it for you. You take that in, you believe it. You see how God has acted in the past in this mighty act of the Jordan River. You realize your Joshua goes before you and he's done it all. You realize you need to listen to him. You need to have this posture that he, he adores you and he's, he, he's done it. And, and then you and I respond and we respond in wonderful things, but it won't be to glorify God more. He's got all the glory. It's to tell other the people of the glory that has happened, that the, the strong became weak, that he died for us and then he lives still. The, the grave could not hold him and, and that to everyone who would turn to him he offers life full and free and he's given it to me the least of these and he's given it to you if you'll trust him full stop stay there your God does wonders let's pray